0: And the pricing is not fixed for 30 years, so uh, I I think BE will do well off that. The other part that was interesting is that they paid for a big portion of the purchase price in stock. Stock was much higher at the time when they paid for it than where it came out, you know, during uh, the, uh, 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 you know, the crash in the market last year. I've indicated here, and you'll see in the handout, some of the (coughs) features in terms of whether these were uh, facility divestitures or government services, or, or international deals, which are also uh, uh, affected by currency rates. The other transaction, let me just mention, is this Vought aircraft uh, Boeing transaction, which is, a, you know, interesting transaction from a supply chain perspective. Um, as Jamie mentioned, uh, Boeing really just integrates things. They don't build things anymore. This is kind of the exception. Boeing, originally on the 787, built the vertical fin at the back of the plane. Everything else, they bolted together. Right, and got delivered from other people. The guys at Vought actually build a piece of the cylinder, the fuselage on that plane. Um, and what happened was because the H7 wasn't getting produced, you saw that buildup in inventory that the suppliers were being required to carry. Vought is owned by a private equity group, albeit a big one, the Carlyle Group. They had to finance that. Credit got very tight you know, with the crisis in banking they were unable to finance and keep investing in that facility. So Boeing says, oh, well, we needed to create, um, you know, a more efficient flow, and also we wanted to break the union in Seattle, and so we wanted to set up a non-union site in South Carolina. So that was their motivation. Carlisle's motivation is, I can't afford to keep this, you know, this particular facility, and it's tanking the rest of my overall VOT business, so I need to to get rid of it, because I can't afford the cash to keep it alive. Uh, and so that's kind of why that, that deal occurred. Uh, in terms of the M&A market, and I don't know how interesting this is to everybody, so I'll go through quickly, but I'm happy to follow up with anybody afterwards. Um, you know, just like your business, my business is down uh, in terms of, of overall volume, and especially here in the middle market, $100 million to $500 million transactions, that's had the most uh, drastic drop. The biggest year for us was 2006, and it's really this 2005 to 2007 period that were, were the, you know, the, the go-go days of uh, M&A. Um, average value has come down from those go-go days, uh, which you can see down here, and now is, is at 75 million. Uh, in valuations, kind of up and down, but uh, down somewhat in terms of profitability multiples in the last year. Uh, in terms of fastener deals, those also were the, the go-go days of fastener deals. Uh, there has been a tremendous amount of activity, especially on the manufacturing side. Um, the most recent one were, were, was actually yesterday, uh, fastener innovation technology, which will be on my next chart because it, uh, the terms weren't disclosed at all. Uh, But, you know, one of the local companies here that's in Jamie's empire now, uh, Airdrome, uh, which used to be Jim Eaton's company, I don't know how many uh, of you know him, used to be a client of ours. That was sold uh, to PCC uh, almost two years ago now. Um, I would tell you that the peak of this market really occurred with this Republic fastener Alcoa deal um, with uh, JJ JJ Ward's company. um, And... uh, What really drove the pricing on that deal is that Alcoa had seen PCC go through this, you know, series of deals with Cherry, with Sherlock, with the Air Industries, with SPS. And they said, we got to win one of these deals. And so on that particular deal, Alcoa decided to make a stand and pay more than PCC. Uh, and some people are very happy about that because they they got to uh, (laughs) reap the rewards. Um, A couple of the other groups here, Doncaster's JLL, this is in Platinum Equity, uh, a little different package, but Doncaster, JLL, that was kind of a a classic example of when credit was loose uh, and you were able to borrow lots of money, and so these leverage buyouts where you'd have a financial sponsor would borrow a lot of money and pay a large amount of money for a... uh, a, um, Uh, company the the McKechnie deal I think was the peak of this this was a deal that traded at you know 12 times EBITDA and the reason that it was uh, it traded at 12 times EBITDA was because they were able to borrow seven times EBITDA in terms of debt so if you think about that that structure was 60 percent debt 40 percent equity uh, and that helped inflate the price to give you uh, some perspective Um, More recently, a deal, instead of being done at seven times uh, debt or EBITDA in terms of debt that you were able to borrow, uh, the most recent deal that was done, which was um, a a PMA, which is a replacement parts manufacturer and distributor, uh, they were able to get a little more than four times uh, their cash flow in terms of debt, and so the pricing was considerably below the 12 times that was available. Uh, and I would tell you that this, this kind of pricing and leverage that was available in that 05, 07 period, I really think of that as the aberration and not the norm. That was the aberration when, when credit was so loose. And I don't think we're going to return to that anytime mm-hmm. soon. Uh, on the distribution side, I, I really do kind of separate the deals between the manufacturers and the distributors. Uh, clearly, the, the marquee deal here was the uh, the BE Honeywell deal. Uh, Eurofast, this was, you know, Annexter really trying to get more of a presence in the aerospace market in Europe. Uh, BE NYF, this was actually one of my deals. Um, and this was really where BE was trying to learn a little bit about, uh, uh, you know, um, doing more of these line feed programs and customer service centric as opposed to pure uh, quantity pricing. And also enabled them to get um, uh, close to a particular customer that they were having a tough time breaking into. Uh, and that was, you know, key motivations for that deal. So, the, uh, you know, in terms of other deals, these, these were other deals that occurred during the last uh, several years. I uh, just don't have the transactional information. It wasn't disclosed. But as you can see, the most active guys in terms of buying fastener companies were PCC. And they really essentially transformed the company from being, a, you know, casting a metal <laughs> shop to being both a combination of a metal shop and a highly engineered product shop with the fasteners division. Uh, and then, likewise, there are several other deals on the, uh, uh, on the distribution side. So then that's my talk. So if you have any questions, happy to answer them on either m and or the aerospace market.
1: <coughs> and Jamie will be offering to buy everyone at the door as they leave <laughs> as the representative of PCC. Thank you. Rick, thank you very much. That's a part of the world that we very often don't get to see very much of, although I do have to tell you, if you want to be successful with this crowd, saying that they just bolted together at the end, sort of in a disparaging way, isn't going to work. Um, I'm left with the construction market, which... I looked at from a slightly different perspective, since most of us are California, Arizona, West Coast type people. Uh, I think we all see uh, the headlines in the paper about uh, the construction market nationally. But as it affects our businesses, there are really two parts to it, residential and non-residential. And really, in terms of anchors and 5-8 diameter bolts and anchor bolts and other stuff that people in this room might sell, the non-residential is a bigger part. Um, And as such, I have bad news, because residential is finally starting to recover. The giant pool of unsold houses in uh, uh, Arizona, uh, which starts right about at the California border and goes on forever, is finally being bought up by people from Chicago who've been sitting around with money for a long time, and people are actually starting to talk about, uh, there was an article in the LA Times today about uh, some of the big home builders have been going out and uh, borrowing money and starting to buy property again. So the people who sell into that market are finally seeing a maybe a light at the end of the tunnel in terms of residential construction starting up again Um, and you'll see it very strongly reported because it will impact on uh, unemployment both here and in Arizona and Nevada. No, Nevada is a bottomless pit and it's going to go on forever. Um, Non-residential construction um, according to STAFTA and the fastener distributor members was uh, down last year 23.6 um, percent. And uh, the prediction for this year is really still flat, that there just isn't the demand uh, out there. Um, there, hasn't, uh, there hasn't been the turnaround in that market, and there is purported to be a glut of both class A office space and warehouse space, and anybody who drives around Santa Fe Springs or Phoenix, Arizona, or Ontario knows that's still to be the case. Um, that's going to take quite a while. Uh, I looked up in uh, the Bolios. Uh, there's, uh, for those of you who've been to any of the staff to meetings or NFDA meetings, there's a team of... Uh, economists that do a really marvelous job which you can get access to through either of those organizations and uh, they talk about nationally very 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 similar to that private non-residential construction 2010 down another 12 percent 2011 flat 2012 up 4 percent. That's nationally not regionally. Um, Residential construction um just to give you a relative comparison um, sorry, they didn't use the same scale year over year comparison nope can't help I apologize um by the way, industrially, they say 2010 1.4 uh, percent estimated annual growth, to 2011, 4.5, 2012, 2.9. There's a comment in here, too, that I've seen twice now that I really <laughs> want to share. I don't like taking it home, but uh, I'll share it and that is that the first item on your agenda should be to make sure that you are profitable at today's level of activity. If you're hanging in there by the hair of your chinny-chin-chin waiting for business to return to the 2007-2008 levels to turn you back into a profitable enterprise, you're in deep trouble. And uh, I share that because I really, really feel it's true. Uh, this association, in, in one of its arms, the Western Association of Fastener Distributors, a year and a half ago had a meeting up in Portland. A year, yeah. And the economist then, who I'm sorry I can't quote by name, if Vicki was out there, she probably could tell you, said that 2009 was going to be a disaster. 2010, you would see the start back uh, of a positive uh, growth positive numbers and everything but that it was going to be so minuscule that you would look at each other and sort of go, if this is a recovery, I'm, I'm having a hard time seeing it here, because it's going to be very slow, very painful. Uh, in adding to what Jamie said on a national basis, industrially, I think all of the manufacturers, reps, and the rest of the people in the room who travel around and talk to all of us, are telling us that, oh, yeah, everybody's saying it's a little bit better than it was. It's a little bit better. They want to say that. We want to believe that. And it is a little bit better. Uh, Or at least we've all stopped wondering, okay, how much worse is it going to be? Um, The 1.4% growth uh, for 2010 really tells you, Uh, You know, and that's 1.4 over your 2009 numbers, not your 2007. Um, You you really have to be able to hang in. It is going to get a little bit better. But uh, all of the manufacturers that, you know, uh, I'm not even sure I should share this, but one of the things that we talk a lot about at Duncan Bolt is that certainly some of our industrial customers and construction, too, have got up and left the state and I always think uh, about Fleetwood, the motorhome manufacturer who uh, took bankruptcy last year but is reconstituting themselves and they had six plants around the United States and five of them are reopened and the one here in California isn't and deep down underneath uh, I just I know that whether it's the people who got it out of bankruptcy or the guys who were there beforehand sort of looked at the numbers and looked at the California and looked at the costs in California and said, what were we thinking? You know, um, and this was the plant they closed as part of their uh, reorganization. So they're not coming back, and uh, uh, we we all have to... Um, do a better job and uh, find new markets to go into. Um, uh, Again, uh, I'm focusing a little bit on California and Arizona, and I don't mean to be depressing, but everybody that's here was able to come up with the price of admission, and uh, that means you're the successful ones, because you're still standing. Uh, it will be a little bit better in industrial. It will be a little bit better if you're related to the residential housing market. Um, non-residential housing is going to stay very, very soft for the next year, year and a half. Um, in the interest of keeping this program not to be the longest, oh wait, it can't be the longest LAFA because there is no more LAFA. Um, questions for anybody up here? <laughs> Oh come on! You're, are you complaining about the fact that I didn't have any slides? <laughs> Andy, you don't need it. Thank you all very much. Well, there's one and, and from what, our president. What, what are you seeing with all the signs, uh, activity-wise, in our industry from the, the our American Recovery Act and the rebuilding of infrastructure? Is that starting to take hold, or I think that, it, like so many other things, it's starting to be there, but it's being there at a level. At an invisible level, at a level of things that didn't go away. I, I, I have yet to hear, no, we had one guy call up and say, Yeah, I've got funding on that project now because, you know, of so and so. And we've, you know, there, there are some small instances, but if uh, the list, you know, it's not like people with food stamp cards where they're showing up at the door and showing them to you and saying, Yeah, we got all this money because of the Recovery Act. Um, I don't know. I, I think that's really a question for the room. Anybody seen any real strong evidence of Washington's interference or help? There you go. Here it's all either prisoners or ex-fastener people.
2: <laughs> yeah. All
1: right. Sorry, I can't give you any better answer than that. Um, if I were to make a comment that prices are going up and lead times are getting long, what would the board panel
2: say? As, as far as fasteners, um, I would say at this at this. Point in time, faster pricing is stable to dropping a little bit. Uh, I would say the only dark cloud there is uh, we're starting to see signs of stainless steel and in, in different high-end materials going up, and we're hearing that stainless steel and um, I don't know about manel, but definitely stainless, going to go up three to five percent in raw material, and we are beginning to see. Uh, Manel and stainless lead times go out, and manufacturers at the, at the fa- foundry level uh, seem to be caught with their pants down. They're, they're not responding right away. Um, so because parts of the economy are getting better, they didn't see that happen, and um, of course China has dropped all their requirements right at the moment for construction and what have you since the Olympics are over. I'd look for more exotic materials. Pricing is starting to go up this coming year.
0: I think in the aerospace market from all our clients, uh, I'd agree that the pricing is stable to coming down. Lead times definitely are shorter, and what what you actually see a lot of, and I don't know how many of your companies do this, but you see a lot of juggling of orders so that people can make a quarter, and so if they get a big order where they can slip it into the quarter, they'll bounce somebody out and pull that in so you can get, so the lead times are kind of Choppy, actually, in the in the short to intermediate term for certain products. I've never seen that
1: on on, <laughs> <laughs> on standard commercial product. I was going to say that um, overseas, the st- the steel people have just decided, hey, you know, we're not going to keep giving it away, so they are actually trying to raise prices. Um, and the other thing that I think is significant is is that we've. Uh, I, I think we've all fallen into the trap, trap, advantage of we can get any delivery we need from any manufacturer, because they don't have any business anyway. So, you know, four weeks, oh, come on, and, you know, and and you've been able to get it. And I think that is domestically finally stopping, and overseas, it may. Um... The raw material prices for steel, per se, in Asia are up on a lot of the stuff. Um, It's just nobody's been able to, you know, if if nobody's buying anything, then what the price is is irrelevant. So they, 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 they don't have much of a framework, and nobody's been buying anything from the United States. Yes, the freight people always seem to feel that uh, it's like when nobody in their rational mind would double the price, it's when they want to do it. Um, And I think you guys are all about, anybody who sells stuff to anybody for export is about to learn the address of their local chamber of commerce. Because... um, now that the chinese have turned around and slapped anti-dumping stuff on the europeans um for you to sell something to a company in singapore you've got to be able you've got to be able to give them a certificate of origin showing that it's american co- content not imported from any from the european market so uh you you know that, that People in the room who are importers have been learning about this for years, but we're all about to. As a matter of fact, it might be an interesting job for the Fastener Association, certifying for people. You know, you could have Vicky sitting there with a stamp and charging three dollars a pop. to... Okay. Well, the city of Santa Fe Springs only charges twenty, I think. So um... It, it's getting to be a complicated world and uh, there are gonna be more and more of these battles about uh, uh... anti-dumping and the whole nine yards you're gonna have to become more sophisticated in it we're shipping stuff to europe and it's just incredibly complex intentionally so i think if there's no other questions Thank you. okay the freeway should be clear by now <laughs>